Welcome to Speaks Loud in the Words, episode 17. As usual, I'm your host, Dave Reed, and today's podcast is with Matty Benbrook, who's worked with Faithless, Pound and Tini, and previous podcast guest, Katie Sutherland. And don't forget you can find us on facebook.com forward slash UK and on Twitter at Warner underscore Chapel, and on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Warner Chapel Music. And that's Chapel spelled C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. Matty Benbrook, Matty V, that's what they seem to Matty call you in the office. I suppose. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for so. stepping in the hot seat today and chatting to us about music, basically. My pleasure. We're going to just jump right back to your early days. Think about what what did you listen to growing up as a kid? What did I listen to growing up as a kid? Uh, yeah. All sorts of things. I, I guess like most people, you're influenced quite a lot by what your parents listen to, you know? So, um, you know, my dad was always into like Bob Dylan and Ray Charles and bits of blues and... You know, um, so that kind of music was always around. You know, he's a pretty big Jimi Hendrix fan. So just guitars, really, I suppose. Yeah. You know, um, and and sort of good songs. Um, I remember listening to Richie Havens and things like that. Mm. And that was all cool and a nice kind of healthy introduction into music and stuff that I sort of found on my own was, in hindsight, slightly less cool. You know, yeah. things like Simple Minds and big country and that kind of thing you know I would say that the, the better influences were the influences from my parents because they were just into good music from you know when they were growing up and that mm. that's good music that's lasted and stood the test of time kind of thing yeah yeah it's still played you know, and, and maybe um big country a little less so you know but I still had the t-shirt so. yeah <laughs> oh, very good. yeah um and that's what you know I started that's what sort of started me playing guitar really just because just heard my dad playing guitar music a lot you know so it's like that's if I'm going to play an instrument that's the one that I wanted to sort of start with you know and it all sort of started from started from that really oh. you know um didn't um I didn't didn't quite reach my full potential on guitar which is why I ended up playing drums in the end you know so um but that was kind of that was a nice swap over from instruments there you know and obviously that what age was that? Did you, did you swap over instruments? Well, I, 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 I went from playing guitar to playing drums when I was about 16, 17. Because I was... Uh, I'd, met, I'd met a guy at college who was a year older than me, um, a chap called Dave Randall. Um, and we'd been playing guitar about the same amount of time and I met him at college and he was just like a thousand times better than me. Mm. And I was just like, oh, I've picked the wrong instrument. I've, I've picked a duff yeah. one here, you know. I was all right, but, you know, he was, he was extraordinary. Yeah. Um, and he needed a drummer for his band. And his band were great. Yeah. So, okay, bite the bullet on this one. I think I sold my drum machine. I sold my four track. Wow. Bought a drum kit. Practiced like crazy for, you know, a month. And then auditioned for, auditioned for his band and sort of got, got the gig with his band. So that was kind yeah. of my first, my first drumming gig. So and sort of on from that 16, 17 kind of age yeah, yeah yeah and what music were you listening to at that time? I mean I guess kind of a bit more you know like things like the Chili Peppers and stuff like that they were you know they were really sort of I mean I know they're still hot now but they were really hot at that yeah. time you know Blood Sugar what, what Sex Magic and things like that wow that's a good question 89 maybe really? 90 yeah yeah so quite a long time ago yeah 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 Makes me feel old, and I think oh. about it now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, seeing you know, sort of, yeah, quite a lot. I mean, we still always listen to to old soul and things like that. But you always sort of, certainly at that age, you get drawn into the things that 
a kind of hip or you know that your peers are listening to yeah at, at that time so you know it was it was things like you know red hot chili peppers and things like quite heavy things like living color and bands like that it was quite you know quite hard sort of rock hardcore mm. i think they called it yeah. at the time you know for all the skaters and that yeah um so i suppose then that was kind of the the influences that i was having through definitely through that. an alternative boy by the sound yeah yeah and yeah. that was growing up in which city uh, a, a place called Bentfleet in Essex, which is okay. kind of in between Southend and Basildon. Yeah, and yeah, so Very sort of cool. by the coast. And it's got you know like Southend's got a got you know a good music history and a nice music history. Mm. Um, and it's got quite a quite a, a buzzing little music scene down. There's a lot of really good musicians. Okay, so it's quite a nice place to sort of start mm. growing up. You know, and, and especially if you you know there is an opportunity down there to stand out a little bit if you if you're good. You know, which is you know, not 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 every town's got those kind of opportunities. And it's not bad access towards London, where a lot of stuff happens as well. So yeah, exactly. People will get picked up. Yeah, on that. yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a bad place to sort of serve your kind of apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, in the early know. days. Um, but then you know, after after a, after a little while, once I finished college and that, I started travelling up to London and auditioning for bands. Yeah, um, playing the drums, right? Yeah, playing yeah. the drums. Yeah, um, and one of the bands I I got. Um, got the gig with was, uh, a band called Mal, who had been sort of they'd been signed to Acid Jazz, doing that sort of jazz funk kind of thing. But through but through the involvement with that, I went on to meet Rollo Armstrong. Yeah, and I met him. What was year was that? What year was that? Ninety four. Oh yeah, I think yeah, or ninety three. Might have been ninety three. Um, so yes, yeah, so, and, and I met him sort of through that band. He shared a studio with someone who was involved with that band and. He was obviously doing doing very well at the time. Sort of, you know, it was a, it's a long time before sort of Dido stuff came out, or it was just kind of as as Faithless was just it's sort of embryonic kind of stages. They were just sort of putting together the first few tunes when yeah. I sort of met him. But he was a very successful remixer um, at the, at the time. Um, so I just I met him. I just hassled him and hassled him and hassled him, and, and until he gave me a, a job or something to yeah. do. You know, and, and eventually I think he just got a little bit sick of me going on and going on. And he was like, oh, look, just go and demo this guy for me. I might sign him to my label. Wow. Just go and go in the little studio upstairs from where I work and just put down all this stuff. You can use a computer. Yes, you can use a sampler. Yes, right, go and do it. I'll pay you £200 a week. Get on with it. Yeah. Um, didn't know how to use the computer. Didn't know how to use the sampler. So the first day I got there, I was like, right, okay. I've got to, I've got to learn pretty quick here. You know, but but managed to manage to get it done, and that's that's kind of sort of how my relationship started with Rollo and Mel at Cheeky, um, and it was you know it was it was a really nice place to be at the studio Swan Yard, which is up not anymore, but was up um, behind Highbury Corner, mm. um, and it was just a lovely family atmosphere there. You know, everyone, you know, there was someone there who did everything. There was a drummer, there was a guitarist, there was a keyboard player, bass player. You know, lots of singers. You know, and and it was yeah. So it was a really nice family atmosphere. So if if Rollo was doing something with Faceless, and it's like okay, well we need some drums on this track. He'd call me down from upstairs, or if you need vocals, he'd call Pauline or Dido in from whatever they were doing in the studio next door and back in vocals. So it was really nice. Yeah, really nice place to be. And you know, we all got to go on tour with Faceless, and you know for. Which you know it was the first time for most of us really to do anything like that, and it was quite an you know an odd mix of people, you know myself and um, 
obviously Maxi and, and Blissey, Rollo came from time to time, um, you know, and, and Dido being on tour with us, you know, before she'd all kicked off, yeah. um, you know, her and her and Pauline Taylor, you know, were, you know, they sang a couple of songs each, but they were, you know, they were the two pretty girls mm. kind of in the band and, um, and it was great to do that, it was, you know, a lovely bunch of people sort of to do it with and uh, it's because it was a new experience for everyone we were all just walking around wide-eyed all the time just like, sure. oh my god oh my god oh my god wow they're doing that for us that's unbelievable oh look at this hotel oh my goodness and then just sort of as as sort of the first album cycle with faithless was coming to an end i'd sort of met met this guy paul herman um and had got on i'd known him for a long time but we decided that we were gonna we were gonna do something together um sort of get get a band going together um so that's how that's how sort of skinny started for us and that's i sort of stopped doing stopped doing the faithless live thing then um and sort of started to concentrate yeah a bit more on sort of doing doing my own thing with paul um and we were signed to to rollo's record label you know which was you know a fantastic place to be and you know a place where they, you know they all really supported us um there so then that was kind of like the next the next sort of adventure yeah. you know um and again that was you know it was a, a real lot of fun doing that you know four great people to go on tour with and you know we had some good things and we had lots of nice stuff said and written and mm. you know um about so that was really yeah a really nice nice experience you know mm. um but sort of in between doing that and sort of the downtime we had from that sort of when it sort of started to do a little bit more kind of writing with other artists um and obviously like sort of tend to write with the people who were on the label anyway so did some some things with dido you know which one of the songs ended up on her first record mm-hmm. it's obviously a very nice place to be mm-hmm. you know and, and the other artists on the label pauline taylor and i'd n- not long been signed to warner chapel i think then um so you know lots of stuff coming in from warners and different artists coming in you know, and Mike Salt sending people into us, and mm. um, and so that's when sort of the writing sort of, I guess, started to take over a little bit from, you know, either just being a musician or, yeah. you know, having the band and stuff. You know, the the band was sort of winding down a little bit because, you know, people have different responsibilities in their life, and mm. maybe don't want to go around in a split bus up and down the country anymore quite as much as they did, you know, when they were a little bit younger and yeah. all the rest of it. You know, and the the fun kind of wears off a little bit um so yeah that's when that's when sort of that took over so you started writing towards the end of skinny yeah 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 sort of yeah exactly so what was the next step after that um i'm trying to think i mean we did you know i'm trying to think when skinny finished it's 2000 i think or 2001 when actually kind of all right let's let's just knock this on the everybody you know we had a good time um and then, yeah, I mean, just from from then onwards, really, just we just, you know, all just became really about writing and and production, um, uh, and there's you know some you know all sorts of little strange things, you know, we we did, you know, we did stuff with like Mel C and um, a guy called Christian Leonto, who was one of Warner Chapel's artists at the time, you know, sort of some things that kind of, you know, sort of did all right, you know. Um, and and kept us all going and and all the rest of it you know but it's it's kind of um you know i guess you know meeting up with with paolo back in 
think 2005 or 2004 you know was when obviously you know with his success things started to you know snowball a little bit more your name gets out there a little bit more you know if you if you're on a record like Paolo's first album you know it does put you yeah puts your name out there people yeah. are all of a sudden very interested yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you have to work a little less hard getting stuff into your studio yeah. you know which is um obviously a positive how has that changed your, your life you know working uh, with Paolo that's such a weird thing to say but yeah you know. I mean it's hard to quantify it definitely has I mean on a on a purely base level I had more money than I would have had otherwise you know which which is nice as they say yeah um but I mean it's it's wicked to be in, to, to work with someone like him anyway like he's very you know, he's a hugely talented guy so in that sense my life's changed because it's been nice a he's a very good friend and b he's a wicked person to work with so that's that's a nice change but i think you know the biggest change is that you know people a take you more seriously and and b people are more interested yeah you know and i think that's that's the biggest change and, and because of that you get you know you get opportunities to work work with better artists and you get the opportunities to sort of pick and choose a little bit mm. which you know it i find that quite quite a nice thing to be able to do rather than having to do stuff because you know that it's you know it, it's going to pay the bills or whatever yeah. you know I, I, obviously I, I have bills to pay and i like to pay my bills but it's nice to have the opportunity to kind of do it on your own terms yeah. you know for most part you know and, yeah. and i really appreciate you know having that opportunity to mm. do that might not always be that way you know but mm. if i keep if you keep performing then it should do sure, you know, sure. how did so. you how did you get how did you go from not working with Paolo to working with Paolo? What what happened? What happened? Uh, what I guess I guess the the right answer would be to say that Warner Chapel hooked it up, cool. as we were both published by Warner Chapel. But what actually happened? <laughs> what actually happened is uh, we both had the same lawyer, Kieran Jay, and uh, he he phoned me up one day and said, "I'm looking after this Scottish kid. He's he's amazing. Um, he's published by Warner Chapel. You should get on to him and work with him." So I phoned Jane and said, "Who's this guy? Do you think we'd be good together?" And she was like, oh, "Yeah, give it a go. See, see, you know, see what happens." So, and that was it. You know, and the first day he came down, he came down with Jim Duguid, who's a you know fellow Warner Chapel writer. Um, and we all just seemed to get on really well. Just hit it off. I think the second song we wrote was "Last Request" together. You know, it was just we just seemed to get on. We were sort of on the same sort of wavelength. It's just kind of a really nice, really nice writing atmosphere, mm. you know, and, and yeah, I mean, we were lucky between, between, you know, myself and Jim and Paolo, we wrote some good, good songs, yeah. they wrote some other great songs, you know, so, and, you know, sort of, you know, set him up hopefully for, well, hopefully set him up for a long and successful yeah. career, you know, with, yeah. with the work that was done on that record, um, but yeah, you know, and, and, you know, we're still obviously friends to this day we get on we're more you know we, we work together a lot but it's a you know it's a it's more of a friend relationship than a, yeah. a colleague relation collegial is that the word yeah, <laughs> I know you relationship you know it's um yeah well it's it's nice you know he you know he kind of he likes to feel comfortable where he's working he likes to feel relaxed you know and i think there's a lot of artists like that i i, I tend to work better with artists who who yeah who, who want to just you know sit down and let's let's have a jam and let's see where it goes 
rather than sort of someone coming and saying, we do this, we do this, we do this, we do this. You know, I find it's a more natural natural process, you know, and you, you might not get a song done a day, but if you write great, a great song, it takes you a week. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's, if it's a great song, if it's a hit song. Yeah. You know, no one's, no one's going to look back in yeah. 20 years' time and go, that is a great song, but it took them a week to write. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just not... Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, there are certain artists that that really kind of thrive on on that. You know, I've been working with, with Jake Bug a little bit and he's he's very similar in that sense, you know. He just wants to sit down and jam more than Yeah, and have a have a cup of tea and, and be relaxed and yeah. and not Yeah. Not not be sort of pressured into something the first ten minutes he gets into the room, you know. Yeah. So it's much more <coughs> an organic freeing organic process, yeah. you know. Um and like I say, I think that's that is really important for some artists. That's that's how some artists want to work. Mm. You know, I think <coughs> not so many artists get afforded that opportunity anymore because there's so much pressure and yeah. there's so many artists out there. And but you know, I think to get the best out of some people, that's that's how how you have to do it. So at that yeah. point, are you on the drums, jamming with them? Or are you no, normally normally sort of we'll sit we'll sit and play guitar or sit oh. at the keyboards oh, yeah. or um, yeah. Yeah, well, we're normally sitting, sitting here and just just jam some stuff out, yeah. set up a couple of microphones like you have here. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, just get just, on with it. And see just what kind of record the session as it goes along. Yeah, see if, so you can always go back. Yeah, if something jumps exactly. out of you, what was that? And you have to, yeah, you have to sort of try and catch as much of it as you can. You know, you don't you don't want to miss a little moment of genius because yeah. it's not so. Just get the microphone set up and just record everything that's that's going on and pick out what you want to take forward. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, sometimes with you know with artists, you know, I'll I'll have a I'll have ideas before they come in, or I'll have backing tracks before they yeah. come in. You know, a couple of the things I've done with Paolo have been sort of come from from that that angle where I've just had a little something and play. Oh, I like that. Well, let's do something over that. Mm. You know, but um, you know, as a general rule of thumb, it's just sort of having a, having a sit around and yeah. bashing some stuff out. Is there a particular song that stands out from your time with Paolo that? Uh um, you have fond memories of, or you are certainly proud of it more than the others. I mean, you know, I'm obviously I'm proud proud of all of it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that I say the favourite song, but I think <laughs> I think uh, a million faces off the first album. I think okay. it's probably it's probably my yeah my personal favourite yeah. um, out of the stuff that we've done. Um, and there's uh, you know maybe some of the stuff in the future. I mean, he's got he's got a new album coming yeah. out. You know. Um, Hopefully in the not too distant future, um, yeah. So we'll see. So, so, with the million faces, was it the same kind of thing where you just what was what was your with that particular song? What was your involvement? I think with that one, there was th- there was three of us wrote that. Um, Paolo, um, Pauline Taylor, and, and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think we just we just sort of jammed that out. Just sat and yeah. found the chords and found the melodies and found the lyrics, and then I sort of. Sort of pushed it all together into a track and yeah. you know played played the parts on it yeah um but it was um like as we you know most of the sessions are you know very easy with him so i don't yeah. i think it was probably written in in a day or two that okay. one um and it's nice if you've got three people in there obviously three heads yeah, sometimes it's better yeah. than two or one yeah not always but sometimes yeah. um yeah and i seem to remember that being a pretty easy song to do you know sort of Stylistically, we knew where it was going to sit and how it was going to how it was going to mm-hmm. kind of sound. So it was it was pretty, you know, pretty easy to write, you know. But mm-hmm. 
I think the lyrics have got quite a nice meaning to them and a nice sentiment and, you know, the melodies are wicked. So, yeah, it was, it was a good... I seem to remember that being a good session. Yeah. yeah oh, definitely. So how did that type of style and writing differ from what you were doing at the end of Skinny, perhaps? Um, what was your relationships? How did, how did they differ? Sort of... I don't think anything sort of changed sort of particularly stylistically. I mean, on a, on a purely musical sense, I suppose, I got back into a bit more guitars I suppose which opens up different yeah. different areas for you again you know, that's what Skinny was though there was guitars in Skinny it was it was sort of quite um, quite dance orientated and sort of trip hoppy and that sort of breakbeaty kind of thing of the time um, so I, I'm guessing yeah that would prob- probably would have been the biggest change that I sort of started to pick up the guitar a little bit more again and started to just sort of do bit more kind of acoustic stuff and a bit you know sort of starting from that rather than maybe starting from starting from a sample or starting from a, a breakbeat or a loop or something you know just sit and get some chords going and mm. you know and I think you know we still did you know and I still do to this day still do bring elements of of that dance side into things like kind of where it's appropriate obviously it's not appropriate if you're doing a nice cunt, quiet country song with yeah. someone but you know it's, you know you can't you can't take the Essex out of the boy kind of thing, you know. It's 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 all still in there, yeah. um, and and sometimes you know when it's when it's right, it does come out, yeah. you know. And especially kind of with some of the stuff <coughs> at the moment, because there seems to be a big sort of people he- sort of heading back to that sort of mid nineties kind of sound, the massive attack sort of sound, and that slightly sort of trip hoppy. There seems to be sort of a bit of that sort of being revisited again, which is great because I was there the first time. Yeah, you know. So who, who do you think is doing it well right now? that you can think off the top of your head that you kind of have heard and you're like oh I like those they're, they're doing well I, I can see them doing well um, I'm trying to think what I mean most of, most of the stuff that that I think is good at the minute is doing quite well you know James Blake and you know old Jay and things like that there's, there's it's a funny thing we were talking about yesterday um, I actually think you know music's kind of turning turning again a little bit people always say that but I think you know there, there genuinely is a lot more interesting stuff coming through now and being successful than maybe there was three or four years ago, you know, and I think, <coughs> you know, part of that is because the music industry has started to work out how to use the internet to its advantage, but also artists have as well now, you know, and it is, it's hard work, but it is possible to get, if, if you're good and you've got good ideas, it is possible to get something starting from from zero you know and and making it into something you know um so i think yeah i think i think there's some interesting stuff out there now and i say you know things like james blake and you know that it's good to see that stuff doing Mm. doing well now Mm. you know um and actually getting getting the time of day and and not just being sort of hurried out the door really quickly You know, I think it's, I think it's healthy for the whole industry, really. You know, and and Britain makes great music. It does, yeah. I think they yeah. were saying, um, like I think it was like four of the top five songs in America were British, or in the, in the past year or something. Yeah. I heard that recently somewhere. Um, so it's right up there. It's, yeah. It's you know, and I, you know, I think it's something that, you know, I think you know, I think, you know, we we have to keep working hard at it. But also, you know, we have to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, mm. you know, because it is, you know, it is a good industry and it is, you know, something that I think this country is really good at and should should be celebrated, mm. you know. I would, you know, be, I would like to hear 
Radio 1 play more British music, you know, but, you know, I know there's a lot of other music out there in the world, but, you know, yeah, that... Yeah, it's very difficult because it seems to be like they're almost blurring on some lines now because it's so easy to just send files across the, the ocean and yeah. to fly people to places that it's like, you know, British people are working with a lot more Americans and, and it's vice versa, very easily to do that now. Yeah, yeah no, that's true, that's true, yeah. but... um. When when you're just listening to music, or say say you're just walking down the high street or something, and you walk past a shop and you hear a song that you've never heard before, and suddenly you're like, "Whoa, what is that song? I need to know what that song is." What what is it about that song that grabs you? I mean, it could it could be anything. I mean, I guess probably from a probably the first thing would be something melodically that would that would get you, mm -hmm. you know, and it might not necessarily be a vocal. Um, but I'm guessing that would be, yeah, maybe something about it that's going to excite you. But probably the first thing would be something melodic that sticks yeah. in your head, or maybe you know, maybe the, the sound of something even, you know, because that guitar sounds unusual. Totally, or, yeah. um, I suppose it depends what side of what side of my brain's listening to it. If it's <laughs> the songwriter side of my brain, then it's probably going to be something melodic. If it's the producer side of my brain, then it, it's just going to probably be a sonic thing. Yeah. You know, I like how that guitar sounds, or that beat's amazing, or um, yeah. But you know, it's something. So, so, so with your songwriting, is um, the melody of a song is that something that you really spend a lot of time focusing on when you whilst you're jamming? Is that what you listen out for? You know. I mean, it's obviously it's, it's a it's a yeah it's a very important part of the song. You know, so I think, yeah, it's, it's obviously it's important that you get it right. It's not something that should um, should should be put, put bottom of the list of things to do in the song. You know, it's it's right up there with that's it's, the melody's got got to be great. You know, that's the long and the short of it. Um, you know, and if you can't if you can't get a good melody, then you're not really going to go go that that far with it. Um, but I think you know, it tends to be quite a natural thing. You know, I'm I'm not a great singer, unfortunately. Um, but you do get you know you do get ideas in your head as you're playing chords around. Yeah. You know, to hear where things go melodically, or can sit and work out a melody on a guitar. Mm. You know, or if you're if you're working with, you know, working with an artist who who has has ideas and can sing better than I can. You know, you can guide them, direct direct the melody a little bit. You know, and help them maybe take what their idea for the melody is and develop it. You know, and hopefully make it make it better and make it the strongest, the strongest you can make it. You know, for what you're doing. Um, but I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of talented people who have lots of good ideas and maybe only need a little bit of cajoling from here to uh -huh. from here to there. You know, um, and then obviously you've got to have great lyrics to back to back that up. You know, it's yeah. important that I think it's really important that you say something with every song that you write. You know, I don't particularly like lyrics for lyrics' sake. Okay. You know, it should it should mean something to, yeah. to someone who's involved. Yeah. yeah. As, you and, and you know, those lyrics then go on to for other people to think about and ponder and things. And yeah, um, it's a great tool to help. I, I guess help people at the same time. Yeah. 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 Do, do you um, prefer songwriting or producing? Is that a difficult question to answer? Uh, no, not right. Uh, I think I, I like them both equally. One okay. one sort of blends into the other. Um, yeah. You know, certainly, you know, it, it, most of the time it starts off as a as a writing, I'm sure a writing sure. session. You know, yeah. and then 
you know, you build, you, you're, build, you're producing it as you're going along. You know, once you've got the song written, you, you're putting down different parts because you, you want your track to go over to, you know, the A and R or the management or whatever, and them to hear and go, oh, that's, that sounds great. That sounds like a tune. That sounds like a record already. Yeah. You know, so yeah, one leads to the other. But I, I wouldn't say I, I enjoyed one particularly more than the other. Yeah. You know, I think it's one of those things. Probably if, if you were just writing solidly, solidly, solidly then you'd want to do a bit of producing if you were producing all the time you'd want to do a bit of writing you know so it's <coughs> nice to have that balance between between the two yeah so with maybe you've got an, an act coming in to the studio you've never met them before yeah you know speaking to some other songwriters on the podcast and things they've mentioned that sometimes when you when you meet somebody for the first time it can really feel like almost like sometimes a counseling session perhaps would you agree with that? Do you find it easy to meet somebody for the first time and start working with them immediately? Um, with them? Yeah, I think so. I, 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 you know, I think I'm, I'm a reasonably relaxed person, and it's a reasonably na- relaxed place to yeah. come to. Um, but you know, there is, you know, there is, there's, there's always an element with that of that. You know, uh, I think that's what, you know, and and that that's probably how songs come from the heart. You know, that's because you're you know well, what's going on in your life you know what what's your what's your ups your downs you know you want to get into that from an artist so yeah I guess you do end up in a bit of a counselling session you know lying down on the couch and you know hope to get something out of them that, that, that they want out of them and committed to yeah. tape as it were back in the day but <laughs> you know um, but yeah I think you know and I don't think that if you work with artists for a long time I think I don't think that ever stops you know, and certainly with proper artists, because that's you know they want to get the stuff out of their head and you know out into the world. So I think you sometimes you do have to get quite quite deep with them. But yeah, I mean you know, yeah, you know, it's always good to have a good chat with someone before you uh, yeah. before you start I'm you sure. know, and get get to know someone. It's hard to uh, it's hard just to start completely cold. You know, sit down with your guitar and a notebook and when you don't know anything about anyone you know and that's that's why sometimes you know some some of the some of the better stuff that I've done you know has been done the third fourth song that I've written with someone because Mm -hmm. you've had a a chance to build a relationship and that's grown and developed and you you know each other a little bit and you you know how each other's heads think and you maybe have got some some of the same ideas and some of the same things in common Mm -hmm. so you can you can empathise with each other you know and I, I think that's you know it's important to to have that relationship with artists yeah. it's yeah. better to pick up a cup of tea than it is maybe to pick up the guitar or something yeah. and just get chatting absolutely absolutely. Things, yeah. and you know most of them are crazy anyway so <laughs> <laughs> and they all it's, know it so I'm not offending true. anyone yeah, <laughs> I think it's very true of the yeah. people I've met well thanks very much for chatting to us about songwriting and just I guess the path you've had up until this point I think um, that album the first album of Palantini's was a massive one for me in terms okay. of just Wicked. getting into music and even writing and things, especially Last Request. That was a big song for me. So it's nice to hear a little bit about what's the story behind it all and yeah, yeah. how it came about. So cheers, thanks very much. My pleasure. I think one of the main things I took away from Matty's interview is how important it is to be open and diverse, really, with the music that you work on and with the people that you work with. Having that open mind really gives you a freedom to try different things musically 
that's really seemed to have paid off for Matty. Well, thanks for listening and until next time.